Hello and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my new upcoming totally free live masterclass titled The Most Common Legal and Tax Mistakes at Each Stage of Business and How You Can Avoid Them. On this masterclass, you'll learn whether it's time for you to go from a sole proprietorship to an LLC or from an LLC to an S-Corp, or if you have an S-Corp, how you can make sure that you're running it correctly. You will also learn how to get more profitable in a snap and put your taxes on autopilot, as well as how to make sure you're owning the CEO role in your business and managing the growth of your business without the fear that IRS hate mail or nasty lawsuits are going to come your way. Also, at the end of the class, you'll officially be invited to join the spring 2021 class of Unfuck Your Biz. There will be a special bonus available only to those that attend the masterclass. So if you're curious about the program or know that you need to get a head start on avoiding these legal and tax mistakes we're going to talk about, join us at www.unfuckyourbiz.com where you can register. See you there. Well, hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am here today with another student interview. I probably shouldn't say another student interview, Connie, because I don't even know when this one is going to come out first. Yours might be the first one. But if if people have listened to the podcast in the past, they know that every every time I'm about to uh, open the doors to the live program of Unfuck Your Biz, again, I do some stu- student interviews to help people share, uh, to share with people and help them understand what the course is all about. You can tell I'm so sneaky, right? You can see it coming from a mile away when the course is about to reopen. Um, Connie, how's it going? Good. Good. Awesome. Why don't you tell, um, to kick things off here, why don't you tell my audience a little bit about your business, or I should say businesses? Yes. So I, my first business is as a Beachbody coach. Um, and if you're not familiar, which you probably are, it's a network marketing company focused on fitness and well-being. Um, then my second business is as a digital beauty digital media virtual assistant. And then I started a third business along with a partner um, in the middle of 2020, also in the middle of moving. Um, And that is sort of a combination of the two. We are a content creation business for other Beachbody coaches. So I took what I learned from the VA world and um, basically what I already needed to run my other business and put it together and monetized it. Nice. Okay. So you have three different businesses going on. That's a lot. So we're going to talk about that. Um, first, let's chat about, so obviously you're a graduate of Unfuck Your Biz. How did you first hear about the program? Like, were you following me for a very long time before you ended up signing up? No. <laughs> so I found out about you from Emily Reagan, which is the instructor for the course that I took to become a VA. Um, and she was had posted something about you and shared something about your course. And I was like, okay, based on the title alone, I can tell this is something I need. 
So I signed up for the master class. And again, I think I've told you this already. I was, I mean, I, I listened to the master class, but it was kind of like, I already know I'm going to sign up. So why am I taking the time to like get the Cliff's Notes version? Um, but yeah, so that's how. Well, I'm you got to, you got to sign up for the master class. Cause I always, you know, yeah. I always give a special bonus on the master class. So you true, true. Start there, right? I, that bonus was extremely valuable for me, by the way. So thank you nice. for that. So we'll talk, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, excuse me, I'll probably be doing the same bonus for this next launch. So I don't know, maybe, should I keep it a mystery? Maybe we should keep it a secret. I don't, don't want to give it away for everybody. Yeah, because you got to, because they need to go to the master class. Okay, got to go sure. to the master class. So we won't, we won't even talk about the bonus. Connie just already told you it was amazing and awesome. Are you still Extremely working your way? Valuable. Are you still working no. your way through that bonus? No, no, I... I do my homework on time. <laughs> oh, good. Well, you probably, so, were you the, were you the one that, or was that Amanda who said they went through the bonus content before the course started? That was not me. I did not do that. I, I have not gone through the bonus content yet. Um, okay, gotcha. But I did, I stayed like with the course the whole way through. Okay. Like, on time. So let's talk about um, my good friend, Emily, who runs uh, Unicorn VA is her business name, right? Is that the name of her course also? Um, oh my God, I should know this. Um, no, it's, I could look it up. Should I look it up? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Basically, Emily teaches VAs how to run successful VA businesses and her like brand is the unicorn VA. So, yes. um, Emily promoted the course for me last round. So you saw like, I don't know if it was a Facebook post, an email, whatever, just about the course. And what made you initially say like, oh, other, other than you said you like the the title. What made you decide like, oh, this is something that I definitely need to invest money in? So a couple of things. Um, having multiple streams of income. And also I come from, I feel like I've been in all kinds. So I used to be a teacher and then I had a corporate job. Um, so my taxes were always paid for me and it was never like I have to, I mean, I had to figure it out. Like I had to do the work to get them paid. But um, it's a lot different when you're in charge of your own, like nobody's withholding. Right. So I had kind of gotten to a point where I felt scared to take on more clients because I was like, the more clients I'm taking on, the more taxes I'm going to owe. And I don't even know how to pay taxes. So I kind of, and plus with, especially having the partnership, because then it's no longer my own self on the line. It's okay. Now I have this partnership and somebody else, is going to be affected by me not taking care of this. So as soon so, as it came along, it felt like divine intervention. So tell us about your business partner. Like, is your business partner savvier with these things? Or are you the point person for these things? I'm assuming you're the point person if you're yeah. the one that took the course. Yeah, I'm the one that's kind of in charge of like all the back of the house stuff. She's, I we're both creatives, but she's, I don't want to say more creative. She does like all the visual stuff for our content and, um, She's really good with words. Like she helps me come up with copies sometimes when I can't figure out what to write in our weekly emails. Um, but when it comes to the back of the house, kind of technical stuff, that's all me. So nice. And so when you told her, Hey, I'm going to join this like random guy's course called unfuck your biz. Was she just like, awesome, go for it. Or what was that conversation like? Yeah. She was like, that sounds like a great idea. That way we know what the hell we're doing when it comes <laughs> to paying taxes. And the big thing for me too, in, in the master class, like I think I, I want to say I, I think I was the first person in the master class I was in to purchase because you did the cash flow part, and I was like, "Yep, 
this is what I need to know because yes. I had no idea where to put all of the money and where to put money that needed to be put aside. Like if I needed nine different accounts for every business or if it got one or what I needed to do. So that was another big, and she was the same way. She was like, I don't know how to do this. So. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's talk about cash flow. So one thing I'm going to tell you before I forget, when we have our alumni calls, this is something you can talk to Amber about. So Amber, who's also in the business, she's the one with the event rental company. Yeah. And I've interviewed Amber on the podcast before, but Amber's also in a partnership. So when she went through the program, we had a lot of the same conversations um, because obviously like the way that you're going to save your taxes is going to be different if you're in a partnership. Also, Connie, please remind me on a weekly basis that I need to add, I need to add additional pages in our course textbook on how to adjust our cash flow system for partnerships. Because I told myself I was going to do it last round and I forgot. So I need to do that. Because every time I launch, we have at least one partnership, uh, one partnership join. And so that'll be helpful. Okay. So what made you, so you, you said you wanted to know, like, do I need to have nine bank accounts, all that kind of stuff, but what else was up in the air for you with regard to your cash flow before you joined the program? Um, well, there were a lot of things. Um, one thing I will say, which the program helped in sort of a weird way was we were in business. I mean, we were making money three months before we could even find someplace to open a bank account any bank account because um, she lives in Washington state. I live in Maryland, pretty much couldn't get any further apart in the country and it's COVID. So all of the banks to open a business bank account wanted us to be in the same place. So once we finally got that sorted out, it was like, okay, now we can take a deep breath. Um, But then once we did that, I was like, I'm pretty sure we should have more than just this one account. (laughs) So um, that was a major part of, I mean, I guess I kind of already covered that with cash flow, but yeah. So, t- so tell me, you you managed to get your business bank account open for your partnership, and then money was coming into the bank account, right? You were probably right. paying your partnership expenses out of the bank account, right? But then what? Like, were you paying yourself? Well, well, no. We actually still. So we started technically in May, and we have not drawn paychecks yet because. Um, Again, we couldn't figure out, I, I, I wasn't sure exactly how to do that. I was like, do I need to like figure out a way to get an actual paycheck? Can I just transfer money? Is that allowed? Um, how much should we be holding for taxes? Um, but the other thing was, it was kind of just like a wrench you may remember is our bank is Aslo. And so then they <laughs> closed or are closing. So we, it was we still like, have another month. Oh, I'm in the same boat. I got to change my banks too. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad that it happened before I opened all nine other accounts. No, I don't need nine. But anyway, but just figuring out um, what the expenses even needed to look like. The other thing that I really kind of struggled with is because when we were starting, I mean, we had expenses before we had uh, an account together. So just figuring out how to like coming, not even figuring out, like I know how, but having a system for going back through and finding all of those expenses and figuring out how to split them when by accident I put in more money than she did. <laughs> um, and just kind of figuring out how to do all of that, how to retroactively go back and do it correctly. Yeah. And do you feel like more clear on that now? Like did, did, did the capital accounts we talk about make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I still haven't said that. That's okay. That's okay. So to, to give the audience a little bit of an insight, even if you're not a partnership, this might still be educational for you all. There's a tax concept called capital accounts. And really all it is is, and I'll give the example of the one partnership business endeavor I entered into, which was an ebook I co-wrote with two friends a few years ago called the Small Business Startup Guide. And it was super simple because our whole business model was we had a website, we had some blog posts, and the only goal of the business was to sell this ebook for $129. This is basically a course within a book. If we were smart at the time, we probably would have created a course. It would have been a lot easier to sell. But we didn't know what we were doing. So we wrote this book. And like I remember I paid for the brand photographer. It was a few hundred dollars because it was a photographer who was a friend. She cut us a deal because she was just getting started doing brand photography. My other friend, um, I think, paid for like one year of Squarespace. The other person like paid for a few other things. So all in all, we only invested $1,000 into the business. But I'd invested like, you know, 350. The other person had invested like 277. And really all it comes down to is you track that all into a spreadsheet. So when we went to open our bank account, we were like, okay, let's all make our investment $500. So since I had already paid 350, I put 150 into the bank account. The other partner put like, you know, 232 or whatever to where it all totaled up to 500. And that's where conceptually, it's not really that complicated, but if you're starting a partnership and you don't know how this works, you don't really think about it. But ultimately it's just, uh, if you're gonna be 50-50 partners, making sure that you've both invested 50-50 and then you're withdrawing 50-50. So you have that um, basically set up now, right? Yes. <laughs> still, a, well, still a work in progress. You already said that you're, bank, you're gonna have to get a new bank account. So you're kind of starting from scratch there, but. yeah. That's okay. So we'll talk about your, um, your own VA business. How's that going cash flow wise? Have you set your question? Have you um, started automating your tax savings yet? I have not started automating it because I actually am still, I just, so I started my VA business technically in January. I got my first last year. I got my first customer in March last year, which was great timing. Um, and then I didn't make it an LLC until December. So I've been using a personal bank account and I don't want to start doing the automations until I make that a business bank account. And I haven't figured out what my business bank is going to be yet. Cause I want to just use the same, not the same account, but the same bank that we're going right. to be using for our partnership because I like to keep things simple and not have banks all over the place. Yeah. So you don't have like 50 different banks. I'm switching over to Novo, I think. I'll, I'll share more about it when I get over there. I'll let you know how yeah. it goes. I think that's probably going to be what we end up doing. It seems to be, I mean, when I ever, you know, everybody I've asked has said that's where it's going. So yeah, hopefully fingers crossed. It's, we like it as well as we like Aslo. So yeah. Connie, you are, you're married, right? Yes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your income and tax savings because we, we don't need your income numbers, right? But this is something like when I had Chassis on the podcast, this is something we talked a lot about because you have multiple income sources just on your own. Your spouse, what's the income situation there? Is it employment income? Um, not currently, but it will be soon once we move um, because we're about to move. So that'll be fun. But actually right now, no. So um and not last year. So that, I guess I'm kind of lucky in that <laughs> I'm not gonna have to pay extra taxes because of his income. Yes, so. gotcha. So when you went through the, because this is always the interesting part 
because I found that I teach quarterly taxes very, very differently than all of the other tax professionals that I'm friends with. And basically the goal is we figure out what percentage of your household income goes towards taxes. And the, the weird thing is, is teaching it is the complicated part, but once you learn it, it's much simpler than all the other methods. Cause you just need to know 25% or whatever of my household income goes towards taxes. So I'm going to save 25% of all of my self-employment income. How did you find that process? Was it like overwhelming? Did you like make it through that? Okay. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I have a pretty good understanding of how taxes work because um, I've, I've done my own taxes forever. Um, I remember when I was in high school and I had a job, my first job, this was my first real job, was at an Exxon station. Um, <laughs> and I remember sitting down and doing my taxes. My dad walked me through the whole process and, you know, filling out the paper and everything. And then I did them on my own a few years after that. When I was in college... <laughs> I was working at TGI Fridays as a waitress and I ended up, I, I was making less than minimum wage. It was awful. Anyway, um, I ended up owing somehow I ended maybe, I guess I was making right at minimum wage. I don't know. It's from, if you're, if you were a server, you probably ended up owing based on unreported tips. That's how they get you. Well, I was really good at reporting. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but I owed $5 and 28 cents to the state of North Carolina. And I was like, <laughs> paying it not paying it I was so I was just irate about the whole situation anyway the point is I've been doing tax like doing our taxes for a long time um and so I like I understood how the tax brackets worked and how um I just had a conceptual understanding of it I think more so than a lot of people do just because mm -hmm. I've done it um so I found that process to be pretty straightforward Nice. I haven't okay. actually sat down and figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> you had a little bit of a head start there though. But yeah, yeah, you're right. A lot of people like hire a tax repair out of the gate and then they get to this stuff and they're like kind of starting from scratch. So a little bit of a head start there. How many, did you end up forming two LLCs? So we had already formed our partnership LLC, which I'm just a little plug for the course here. Take the course before you form an LLC because while we were form while we while I was forming our LLC, there was a question in there that I answered incorrectly and it cost us like 300 extra dollars because I formed a DBA with the same name as our LLC because in Maryland they don't call it a DBA, they call it a trade name. Uh -huh. And I was like, I don't know what this is, so I just answered it with the name we wanted and cost me a lot of extra money and it's not like they're going to give me a refund I called them and they were like no it'll just disappear if you don't renew it I was like okay great so that's um, what what was it you had so we teach that or I teach that if you're fictitious business you don't need to get a fictitious business license if you're operating under your LLC name and essentially correct, what you yeah. did was you said this is my LLC name and also I'm applying for a trade name which cost $300 but you didn't really need to do that because it was the same name yeah also I don't think it was 300 it's like 175 doesn't matter well, it, was, way. it was yeah it felt like three I mean at that point we had zero income so it was like whether it's 10 or 300 how did you how did you file your partnership LLC before the course? I did just our so the state of Maryland has just like a website where they do all of that. So I did it through there, um, and then I formed my VA LLC while I was in the course because I wasn't sure I was going to do that. I wasn't right. sure I was going to you know make it. I knew it needed to be 
legal <laughs> for my partnership because aside from the fact that it's some, another person involved it's also a lot more um what's the word like out there like we operate on the internet and not necessarily just word of mouth kind of thing so um visible i guess so i knew that one had to be like super super legal i wasn't sure i was going to do the same thing with my VA business but i did and when you when you formed your llc through the state did you also get your operating agreement um yes i well i hadn't so i wrote an operating agreement for the partner partnership agreement i guess after being in the course. I didn't have to do that for, to do the LLC. Yes. So this is like, this is one of the, this is kind of the tricky part, right? You don't have to have an operating agreement to have an LLC, but you should have an operating agreement because our operating agreement, we don't file anywhere. It's just an internal document. That's the document you got to have right. if you have a partnership dispute or if you ever get sued. And when we just file right. our own LLCs online, like no one's telling us it that we need to do that. Right. Right. Yeah, it didn't. I remember getting to that point in the course and being like, well, do I need this? Because I already have an LLC. And then I really read into like what it really is. And then when I went through and did it, I was like, oh, this is basically like our contract to protect us from each other. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a so. partner. It's a, when you have a general partnership, we call it a partnership agreement. But when you have a multi-member, you technically now have a multi-member LLC. We call it an operating agreement. But what's really confuses people, if you have an operating agreement in your multi-member LLC, you also will have a different operating agreement in your single-member LLC, which is yeah. a lot stupider because you're just yeah. making an agreement with yourself. Yeah. Although I find, I do find some value in that because it's like, okay, these are the promises that I'm making to yeah. my business. The way I explain it though, like the way I explain it in my book is that I, I really like this analogy I came up with was I said, think back to your high school biology class to mitosis and meiosis. I still don't remember which one is which, but we know that like a cell can split off into two, right? Like it's one cell, it splits into two. Like that's what we do when we form an LLC. So when we form an LLC, our business is literally separating from us. And so when we have our operating agreement, it's now the contract between us ourselves and our LLC, which is no longer part of us. It's its own thing over there. And that's the contract. It's like having a contract with any other person. Yeah. Well, and I just like from a mindset standpoint, find that helpful of kind of just like establishing boundaries and responsibilities that I have yeah. to my business because there's nobody else making sure that I'm doing them. So. Yes. And from like, from a legal perspective, like it's, it seems I even used to think in law school, I was like, this is so fucking stupid. Cause no one explained, like no one explained it to me really well. And then once I got like working and I was like, okay, this kind of makes sense. Cause essentially they're telling us, they're like, well, if you want to form an LLC to shield yourself from liability, then we need you to treat it like an actual business and not just like your personal piggy bank. So the separation right. is what spins it off into its actual own thing and gives you the liability protection. Okay, right. fun. So you went through all of that. We talked about your LLC formation. You got all your business licenses. Let's talk about, <laughs> poor Connie, let's talk about, you told me a couple of weeks ago that you're moving states. So yes. have you figured out what you're going to have to do with your LLC now? Because you might have to, you might have to dissolve it and reform it or transfer it. We haven't figured it out yet, have we? No, I haven't figured it out. Um, I went on the website. So we're moving from Maryland to Delaware. And I went on Delaware's website to try and figure out, what is it called? Domesticate? Yeah, domestication. <laughs> yeah, I tried to I look. 
I mean, I entered that term into the search box and all that stuff. I couldn't really find anything. Um, I think I'm just going to have to wait until we actually move because I know I can't do anything until we live there. Right. Have, you know, so I have an actual address to give them so that they can start sending me. Well, they won't send me any paperwork, but all the labor law poster people will. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just opened up my own book to my page on domestication and Maryland, Delaware is listed. Maryland is not listed. Yeah. Cause I, I had looked it up just randomly when we were in that section and I recalled that one of them didn't, but I couldn't remember which one. Yeah. So what, what we're talking about here is there's a process called domestication, which is basically just an LLC transfer. So usually what happens is a lot of people, it's more cross country moves. So someone like myself moves from Indiana to California the ideally I can just domesticate my LLC into California, which involves just a simple piece of paper that transfers it. If your state, if one of your states doesn't allow domestication, then you technically either need to operate your LLC in both states, which means you have filing requirements in both of them, or you dissolve and reform. So those second two options are not ideal. But Connie, the nice thing is, is uh, either way, if you have to go through all that work, which we hopefully you won't have to, you'll have all the tools and tutorials that you need to do that inside of the course. Yeah, definitely. I was a little frustrated with myself because I knew that it was like in the back of my head, I knew it was a possibility and I wish I just hadn't, I wish I had wait, like literally I formed my personal LLC on December 28th. Yeah. And we found but you really the just house. Bought your, you just bought, but you didn't, where you weren't planning on buying a house over state lines, were you? We were, we had started looking just sort of like, out of the box because the market right now there's just there's no houses so we had started looking over there just like not thinking it would ever happen <laughs> yeah. but i still i wish i just wish that i had waited which is my, it's my own fault obviously but it's fine it's that's fine. okay i mean it's going to be like worst case scenario it's going to be a couple hundred dollars in fees and a little bit more paperwork yeah it'll be fine that's what all this shit is it's just few hundred dollars yeah. in fees and a little, <laughs> a little bit of paperwork. Oh, good times. Okay. So you did that. You got, um, did you get your, do you have a new like shiny spiffy VA client contract now? I have not done one. It was actually really helpful yesterday seeing you go through Stephanie's um, because she's also a VA. Um, but no, I have not done that yet. Yeah, you should just ask Stephanie on our next call. Just ask Stephanie if you can clone the one that she did and start from there. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So we have, um, I, I call it the, it's like Build-A-Bear, but for contracts, build your own <laughs> contracts. And that's the way that I teach contracts. I basically give all of the templates and I do my best to teach you all how to put your own contract together. I get a lot of pushback on this. I think because people, well, it's harsh to say that people are inherently lazy, but people do not want to spend their time creating contracts. But what I found was if I just give people, here's the VA client contract, here's the photographer client contract, I can't cover every industry, A, and B, everyone's business is so different and unique that like one template's like not really going to cut it anyway. You're going to have to do so yeah. many changes to that. I think it's actually easier just to piece it together from the beginning. So we start with yeah. the introduction. I give you all the payment terms. You choose like how you charge your clients and you pick the terms out of my template bank to add into there. And you kind of, you know, it's like Build-A-Bear. I think it makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, no, I actually really like that because you have to kind of actually figure out what the section means before. Yeah. 
because you I have, have to have put some time. thought into it as opposed yeah. to just like, here's this template I'm going to take and like, right. if it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I have a template that I had used previously that I sent to one client and then I ended up not even sticking to my own payment terms because they were confusing. <laughs> so, yeah. but I, it was because I didn't understand all the way it was put together and why. So that happens, it. especially with VA work because the scope, because with virtual assistants, the scope can change so much. And then the payment might change. Like with one of my VAs, she used to track her hours and I charge, and she charged hourly. And then it got to the point where over a span of like, she billed every two weeks and over like eight to 10 different pay periods, all of her bills were within $50. So I said, hey, how about to make this easier? I'll just round up to that top end of the $50 and I'll just auto pay you every two weeks for that amount of money. And then you don't have to track your hours and everyone wins. Um, yeah. But then you gotta, you have to have a contract template for that because that's a flat fee payment arrangement. Yeah, and there's so many different, like even yesterday looking at Stephanie, so we have slightly different scopes of work as far as things that we do, at least what I could see on her contract. Um, so there's that, but also I don't charge the same rate for every kind of work. Yeah. And some things, my, ideally I'd like to start doing packages instead of hourly um, so that I don't run into situations where I'm, you know, charging somebody $20 a month because I don't want to devote time to somebody if I'm only making $20 a month. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, for that, that for that, you just end up creating different templates. So you have yeah. your package A template, your package B template, and you just keep them all in a bank. Okay, so we covered lots of awesome information. This is super helpful and informative. What would you tell someone if they were thinking, you know what, this this sounds helpful, it sounds nice, but like, should I really spend the money on it? Like, wouldn't I just be better suited to take that money I could spend on this course and like hire an attorney to do this for me or hire an accountant to unfuck my taxes for me? What would you tell them? No. <laughs> Why? Um, so a big like motivating factor. So I kind of told you why I needed the course, but I find it invaluable to have like a personal connection and be able to ask questions and have a response that even though it's not like specific to me, I can like, obviously I trust you that your response is legally correct. And when you're not sure you tell us that, or when you're like, okay, well, I'm not a, um, intellectual property attorney. So, but here's the general rule, you know, like yeah. being able to have somebody who can answer the questions and not send me a bill is <laughs> 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 pretty valuable. Not um, send I mean, you like a, like, uh, five minutes to respond to this email. That's $75. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned. So I feel like I do that a lot in the course. I'm like, well, I don't really know, but I used to feel I used to feel really insecure about that, especially when I was newer in my business. I think that we all do that, right? Like we think that we have to have the answer for everything. Yeah. At some point we learn, like you can only learn and retain so much information. Like, do you want to go really broad, really broad, but not very deep? Or do you want to go very deep and not very broad? I've done a little bit of a combination, right? Because the course is broad in the context that we cover both law and tax. I don't know any other programs that do that. Um, that's another reason that I, because some of the questions that I had, I was like, I don't know if this is a legal question or if this is a tax question, or I don't even right. know who to, like there were, so both of my parents own their own businesses and there were a couple of questions that I asked them and their response was, oh, we'll send an email to, 
um, their CPA. And I was like, okay, but I don't know that this is actually CPA question. And what I've learned is a lot of times questions get answered by CPAs or bookkeepers that really aren't. Yeah, because a lot of the time it's both a legal and a tax question right. and a legal professional and a tax professional are going to give you contradictory answers. Right. And I feel like with you, I'm getting not necessarily one or the other, but I'm getting the response that is going to best serve me. And sometimes that's, hey, yeah. reach out to your CPA. Or, it's hey, kind of like, it's kind of like the best, like the best analogy I could give is if you talk to like a marketing expert, or if you talk to like a Pinterest expert, the Pinterest person is going to tell you, like, of course, you, your business needs to be on Pinterest. And the TikTok expert is going to tell you, of course, your business needs to be on TikTok. Go right. down the line, right? right? But if you have a business coach, they're going to say, well, all those things are great, but let's also prioritize your time. So what's going to make the most impact? So right. those two professionals are going to give you contradictory information. It doesn't necessarily mean that one of them is wrong. It just means that there are competing, uh, competing issues here. That's how right. it works well, with law and tax often. Yeah. I mean, I feel like anybody ever is going to give you their best answer within their own context and experience, which isn't right. necessarily the answer that's going to best serve you. And I felt like, I mean, before I even took the course, the reason I signed up is going through that master class. I was like, okay, I can tell he can answer all of the questions I know I have. And there are probably some questions that I don't even know I need to ask. And I'm probably going to figure out what they are if I take yes. this course. So, okay, good. Yeah. Awesome. It looks like my sales strategy worked, Connie, because that's the goal. It did. It did. <laughs> also for what it's worth. So I, I mean, I put a lot of value in surrounding myself with people who are going to raise me up. Like that's literally why I went into the VA world to begin with. I was like, I want to see the back house of this entrepreneur who's already doing something that I would like to do eventually. And I can, I knew that just being in your course would do that for me just because of the amount and quality of free content you have out there, whether it's your podcast or your Facebook group or your tax challenge, <laughs> just all of the yeah. things. I was like, okay, I know that I'm going to get a lot of value out of this because he's giving a lot of value already for people who haven't signed up. So yeah, I arguably to too much. I arguably have too much <laughs> free content. It's a lot, but you know. what? I mean, I'm not going to say it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is what it is. I've actually, I've thought about, everyone can DM me. I've thought about going down to doing one podcast a week. Two a week is a lot, like when you don't have a big team, but you know, I kind of cheat. My Tuesday episodes are usually really short, so. I don't think that's cheating though. I find that really valuable because in addition to my three businesses, I have two little kids who are distance learning. I don't have a lot of time and I can't yeah. listen to podcasts while I work because I get too, because I do a lot of copywriting, so like it's too distracting. Yeah, you, so can't, it's like, you can't write and listen for sure. Yeah, so, but to be able to turn on your podcast in, in seven minutes, get an answer to a question that I didn't know that I had or figure out, hey, I didn't actually need a DBA. Like that's really valuable to me, <laughs> even yes. if it's short. So. Good to know. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to be talking, everyone can stay tuned, but I'm going to be talking to my team next week about, I might start taking my Friday Facebook lives that I do and just turn those into the Tuesday podcast episodes, save myself a little bit of time, answer some more questions. We'll see. What do you think about that, that idea, Connie? I think if it feels good to you, go for it. I mean, <laughs> okay, I think, good. I, like I, mean, I think there's, I think there's a lot of value. I mean, especially 
Facebook is a very overwhelming platform and the life of whatever you post on it is pretty short, whereas yeah. your podcast lives forever. So yeah, I'm going to talk to my mastermind about it. I'll send them a box after this podcast episode. We'll talk about it. Okay, Connie. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Anything else you want to share um, as we start to wrap up here? Um, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're most like, welcome. I feel like I've learned so much and I feel very empowered by what I've learned in the course. And, um, yeah, it's, I also just like the, per, it feels very personal. Obviously you're a very personable person, like easy to have a conversation with. So that's really helpful for, especially new business owners when we're just getting into it, it can be very overwhelming. The thought of, um, see, we can see my daughter now. <laughs> Don't mind her. She's climbing the file cabinet. We have a uh, we have guest appearance. <laughs> okay, so last question for you, Connie. Uh, I was tell I was encouraged people to join my Facebook group, Braden's Besties. If everyone wants to become Connie's besties, what's the best way for them to do that? Should they follow you on Instagram? Yeah, Instagram. Emmy. Emmy. Um, Instagram's the easiest, and my Instagram name is lady.h. Yeah. Um, lady.h1. Why? Um, but yeah, Instagram's the easiest. Okay. You can send us the link. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. People yeah, lady can ask me. So I need okay. to change it. That's why I don't know it. I hate it. I'm terrible at naming things. Well, if you give it an update before the podcast releases, we'll have it in the show notes. So thanks so much for coming on. Um, I know that you're probably homeschooling with all this crazy COVID stuff we have going on. So I'll let you, I'll let you go crush it in one of your three businesses or do your parenting work. Either way, I'm sure you have a busy day ahead, Connie. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Hey there. Before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.